1: Ooh, mad cow,
2: mad cow,
0: mad cow,
2: mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Songhai Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. QT and Songhai are with you as normal. Some real quick show notes, because I'm unexpectedly on the road to have my notes in front of me, but I do know tonight, if you're looking for wrestling, WCWO with the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, as usual, and FGW in Hamilton, Ohio, as usual. Tomorrow night, there's the Johnny Craft Show in Denver, Colorado, and you also have FX in Lafayette, Indiana. There's a ton of wrestling shows in the next few days, so go find yourself a local one. Support the local independents and. Everybody, keep independent wrestling strong. Without further ado, I want to welcome our guest today. He is someone we have not had on the show for unexplicable reasons until today, but we are hugely excited to have him now. Jeff Manning, thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's good to be here, as you would say, finally. But uh, luckily, I hold no no remorse i'm here i appreciate better late than never somebody famous once said and uh i'm just happy to be around and happy to be with you guys
2: well we're definitely glad we have you now and for the fans unaware which if they're on our side of the country i'm sure they know you of course are the owner of WCWC in Oregon and you have also ran a few other organizations over the years but can you tell us what led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling?
1: Um, Oh gee that you know I'm kind of old so I got to think back that far I was actually in my early days of employment a uh, radio disc jockey Uh, many different cities in California. And I was working at a station in uh, unbeautiful Stockton, California, in the ungreat Central Valley, as they say, the armpit of California. And uh, I'd always been a wrestling fan. They asked me, the boss asked me if I would train this guy coming in to start in a few days. And I said, sure. He was a wrestling ring announcer out in the San Francisco area. So uh, long ago and far away, we started BSing with each other. And next thing you knew, um, I went to a couple of the shows he was involved with, and he got trained at the radio station, and that's how it kind of all started way back long ago. I met him, I'll just date myself a little bit, but I met him in the late 70s, and the friendship lasted a long time, and we're both still alive and kicking. But that's how it all started, kind of an odd way. Uh, he got out of radio, and uh, we started the company together, actually. It's Pat Kelly, who now lives in beautiful Lodi, California and he's got a promotion down there now. He's working with Big Ugly uh, out of Sacramento with a a, a company. I don't believe they've started up yet. We're going to start up again in November, it looks like, right now. So uh, it's good, but it's an interesting way to get started in the business that you were just once a fan of, and uh, people kind of laugh at me for that. But, uh, you know, my radio career led to a lot of more fun things, too, so I'm very happy it happened that way.
2: Absolutely, and radio is not an uncommon jumping off to get into wrestling I have found out over the years
1: yeah it's uh, anything involving broadcast or you know entertainment uh, athletics it's just a lot of us seems to point to professional wrestling not really sure how or why Uh, I imagine when my time on this earth has come in another 50 or 60 years I'll be in the middle of a ring saying something stupid and probably keel over so uh, I haven't told that to my wife yet but uh, she figures it'll probably happen
2: well, hopefully, you know, you've got at least 50 to 60 years before you decide to do that. But um, I'll be in
1: my wheelchair and my walker, but I'll be there.
2: <laughs> I see nothing wrong with that. Now, like we said, you are the promoter of WCWC. When you were first starting out as a promoter, what made you decide – that was what you wanted to do in the pro wrestling business.
1: Okay, well, I started out actually uh, as a referee and occasionally a heel manager, mostly refereed for a number of years, both uh, in California and then when I moved to Oregon up here. Um, I was working refereeing mostly for – I can't remember the name of the place. It's so embarrassing when you get to be you know over 40, you forget things. But to one of the other companies that was running shows in Portland – and I said, hey, would you like to do a show in Salem where I live? And he said, sure, if you just make sure that, you know, you can pay for things and pay the guys and keep the ticket money. And it was great. Actually, it was PNPW with uh, Mark dyster at the time. And so we did a show in Salem at an Elks Lodge. This was back in early 2000, late 2004, actually. And it went pretty well. We sold the place out. Having triple drinks for two and a quarter didn't hurt any. Uh, God bless the Elks lodges, boy, they they pour a nasty drink. And we decided to do another show uh, two months later, and uh, the show did okay. Uh, it wasn't as good. They didn't, whoever was booking it at the time, and I won't mention names out of out of fairness, uh, didn't really seem to care because it wasn't their show. So uh, the promoter, or Mark Dykstra, said, if you want to bring in you know somebody or two, go ahead, just follow storylines. Brought in a couple of kids from Canada um the booker got ticked off at me and i decided well if you want to play stupid i'll just go ahead and start my own company we started in march of 2005. and it's you know been a long 15 years uh, we were going to have our 15th anniversary show of course uh the day before covid shut everything down so that never happened but we're planning on november of this year to have the 15 year plus anniversary show when we start back up
2: Speaking of the shutdown, it seemed like every promotion in the Northwest was shut down for quite a while. The only one really running in the Northwest was Northwest Pro ran by J.D. Mason, and they had to run out of their training facility and live stream and then go into Idaho where things were a little more open. Obviously, Oregon is still shut down until – I believe, October at the earliest. Right,
1: it's October 1st. October 1st, the commission has granted people who want to run can run. I know a couple places are running that I think October 2nd DOA is running, and somebody said BCW is starting on the 3rd. So um, that's great. I mean, it's because we're run by the government, we kind of sort of have to follow their lead. We don't have a lot of options. And then when you run shows in Oregon, unless you're running on Indian land, You have to play by the rules and uh, whether I like him or not isn't important as the rules I choose to go by. So that's kind of how it goes. But we're going to wait an extra month just to be sure. And I know that uh, JD used to work for me, wrestle for me many years ago. Um, You know, it's so hard to say should we have been allowed to run? They allow certain places to run certain sports are allowed to run in big stadiums. And yet, the poor wrestling guys really have suffered. It's not just here throughout the country, but Oregon and Washington pretty much were the, I think have been the last two to really allow anything to happen.
2: I believe you're right for sure. Now you have held shows for the last 15 years. So you obviously have had a lot of talent come in and out for you at WCWC. I know you've had, Uh, performers come in from all over the country whether it was for a show or two or for a regular basis out of everyone you have had come through your doors who would you say has been your least favorite wrestler that was very secretly actually your favorite wrestler
1: Oh, God, you're going to ask hard questions, aren't you? You know, Morty ain't going to like this kind of questioning. You know, if I have to become Morty all of a sudden and come down on you guys, I will. But uh, that is an interesting question. Um, I can't remember. Well, no, there's one I hated. Uh, But I'll just be honest, uh, who he was, and this was true hate. I don't remember his name. He was a contestant on Big Brother. I believe he is or has been the impact champ, you know, built like a tank, met him when I was in Southern California, and he came up here, and decided he didn't like the booking and this and that, and we finally had to cave in because I didn't have much choice. I don't know. Um, There's really nobody I've really hated that I brought in that I secretly liked. I know that probably sounds weird, and I've liked most everybody we brought in. Um, And if I can just kind of sideways here for just a moment, people ask why I bring so many folks in from out of the area, and it's not to be a put-down of the people in the Northwest. There are some really terrific wrestlers in the Northwest, and like every other part of the country, there are some that are not so terrific, although they do try hard. But with so many promotions in the area, my goal was not to look like everybody else. And a lot of local guys, to be honest, are pissed as hell at me still today for that attitude, but we've been successful for 15 years. We run it like a business. With rare exception, most of our shows do make money, because uh, this is a business. I'm not going to sit here and Put out wads of money. Yes, when we had Paragon out of Vegas, we got a line of credit to operate that show. And that line of credit three years later is almost all paid off. It was over a million dollar line of credit. Uh, we slowly got through it, but I just don't want to look like every other show, and I wish the other promoters would would kind of be the same way. But when you had we had for a while like twelve or thirteen promotions in Oregon, and that's honestly about six or seven too many. Um, if every wrestler works every show there 's nothing unique about the shows, and I think the the fan base it can only go to so many shows if they see something different they 're apt to go to as many promotions as they can afford because it's it 's a different show. so I just wanted to get that in before I forget later but uh, yeah it's it 's a tough thing to do i 'm not always the most liked promoter in the business um, in this area, and that 's okay. like I said, if we weren 't successful, we wouldn 't continue. Uh, Even the house shows make money. I'm not going to do this stuff just because I love it. Uh, I do love it, but why would I want to put out two or three thousand dollars every month or more and not ever see it come back? It doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Does not make sense to me either when promoters do that.
1: But people do it, and you know, it's their company. I tell the guys, if you don't want to work for me, it's okay. This is how we operate. If you want to work for Joe Blow and make five bucks in a hot dog, that's your right, too. If you want to fly yourself across the country at your expense, that's your right, too. But we don't do it that way. I've had people that have wanted to come out, you know, a couple guys in the Midwest said, hey, I'll bring a carload of five guys out and work for you for nothing. The wrestlers that don't value themselves by thinking they're worth anything and getting paid, I don't want to see. I don't care how good they are. Um, When the guys come out here, if they're flying or driving a long way, I pay it. And our wages are pretty damn good for an independent place out of Oregon. Nobody's complained. When we had our TV shows, we were paying more than Impact for a while in, in Vegas. And we had a waitlist of people that wanted to come work here. So I'd like to think I know how to run a business. I run other businesses outside of wrestling. And we make mistakes. We all do. Uh, some I brought in some people that weren't very stellar. And, I, you know, I got chewed out by some of the guys who worked for me, like D'Lo and Gangrel. And then they'd bring somebody in, or D'Lo would, and, oh, Jesus. So he had to be careful when he picked on me, because I I, I returned the favor when he brought in a couple guys. It didn't work out. But uh, everybody's just got to, in this industry, be smart. Promoters, be smart. Don't just run shows to lose money. If you're rich, I guess that you're right. Um, You know, I've been lucky to have made money over the years, but I wouldn't put personal money into the business, period. Everybody thinks I'm just loaded with all this personal cash. That's what I said. I had a line of credit, and I had to beg for the bank. To get a million bucks line of credit for a wrestling company i mean would you have done that probably not probably not (laughs) (laughs) but it worked and like i said it's uh it's taken three years to pay it down but we're almost done and it'll feel good when i write in that last check and say here mothers i'm all done with you so uh, and again if I, i i tend to wander off topic and i apologize if i do but sometimes you'll ask a question, or somebody will, and then it leads to something else. So if I'm getting off-topic or off-track, you can tell me, Jeff, shut up, answer the question. I'll be happy to do so. I'm, no, I'm you're not all, good, that, all good. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. I like you guys already. And you haven't insulted me, and it's already been 13 minutes. Wow. Thank you.
2: I don't even insult you behind the scenes at other locker rooms. I've never done that. So even
1: a bigger I appreciate A lot of paper. people do. You know, Yeah. Again, a lot of guys do. It's their privilege. They don't work here. When I find out about it, I don't go – I don't spend my entire life on social media. Who can I pick on today? And it's unfortunate. And then with the pandemic, you know, over a year and plus old when it started, there were a lot of nasty things said about me that uh, some of the guys who worked for me said, Jeff, have you read this crap about you? And I said, no, and I really don't care. I just ignore it. People can have their opinions. But as somebody famous once said, many opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, and they stink most of the time. So – old saying but it's true you've never heard that before or you guys are young you would not know about uh, that kind of stuff
2: uh, i have heard that said a time or two
1: <laughs>
2: now one of the things in the last few years in wrestling that has taken off and has become more and more popular is women's wrestling i know pre-pandemic uh, wcwc had been bringing in some women from different parts of the country. Casey Carlisle was coming in on a regular basis for a while. Uh, you brought right. in uh, women from California and Canada. What do you think of the upward trend of women's wrestling compared to what it was, say, ten years ago?
1: This will probably piss people off. To women's wrestling. To me, in many cases, not always, We I think Casey and some of the gals we've had are very, very talented athletes, but a lot of women's wrestling becomes just a show, you know, kind of a, uh, almost a sideshow in some ways. This, you know, and we are an old-school promotion. We call it old-school with a new-school twist, and I understand what we do isn't for everybody in this day and age, but we still have pretty good crowds. If having women in your promotion fits with what you're doing, Go for it. And there are a number of places that do it. But this is going to sound, and I don't want to sound biased because when people talk about wages, you know, well, everybody should have equal wages. Don't laugh at this When Women and midgets always want more money than the average wrestler. And I've used all of them, and I pay them what they ask for. I don't get them. Um, I believe in paying based on talent, not who you are or what you are. Big, small, white, black, I don't give a damn. If you have talent, we'll pay you what we feel you're worth don't have talent and you're kind of a beginner, we'll pay you a little bit less but we'll use you. But the women's thing we are gonna have some women when we start up in November, we're gonna have one woman's match that I know of. Um but it doesn't necessarily fit in with our older old school style. Um if we had some old timers like people like Fabulous Moolah and Mae West and the the old old timers, you know, then it would have made sense because we are primarily a wrestling show. We're not just a spectacle of Let's go and do 83 moves in a three-minute match, do them all twice, have 13 false finishes in end. That's not what we do. And that works for a lot of companies, and if it does, I say go for it. Whatever works in your neighborhood, in your market, with your company is what you should do. We just choose to try to be an old-school company, and a lot of the fans still believe what we do looks real to them. When I see a lot of ladies crying in the audience when the baby face has been beat up by the heel, I kind of smile inside I guess we're doing something right so we will never be big with women Uh, we will have women on occasionally as a kind of a something different but it just hasn't worked for us in the past that well It doesn't draw us any extra money but again that's my my view I want to make sure I can pay the bills and pay everybody you know and not screw them and short them and still have money left over so I can have a beer or two at the end of the night
2: Now, in wrestling, it's a unique sport in that it can be held pretty much anywhere that's got space for a ring. I know you've ran several different venues in the history of WCWC and Paragon and so forth. What, to you, has been your own personal favorite venue that you've ran for whatever reason?
1: Well, um, honestly, I loved working Paragon in Vegas out at Samstown. We started at Texas Station. It was a ballroom. It wasn't good. But Samstown was set up as a sports arena or a concert venue. From the lights to the sound to everything, it was pretty damn big time. And, again, you know, Impact has has worked there. ROH has worked there. It is really the place to do wrestling, or at least it has been. Uh, In Vegas and it was a great place to do a show we the the maximum seating was around I think 1200 we averaged 800 to 1000 and over half paid every time. Uh, So we weren't just having to, you know, give away all the seats to to fill it. We, you know, uh, it, it was just a neat a neat venue it really was it looked like a wrestling venue but on the other hand i guess my almost favorite when we first started the, the portland wrestling show on the kpdx we were at the old now condemned bob white theater in portland and it was like a, an old school theater with the theater style seats you know everybody slanted everybody could see everything We could see about i want to say 300 or so in there Uh, No heating, no air conditioning. I remember the one day was January. It was 20 degrees outside and about 12 inside. So it was interesting. That was kind of the most personality. But, again, from a standpoint of my favorite place to run, it was Samstown in Vegas. Absolutely. It was perfect for us.
2: One of the other things that promoters often fear, but they always have to deal with it to some level, uh, especially if they're going to run as long as you have, is injuries. Uh, obviously, it's a physical contact sport and injuries happen. I know you've seen some in your day. What would you say has been a couple of the more scary injuries that you've witnessed on your shows?
1: Uh, it's kind of sad but funny in a way. Adrian Matthews, who has worked for me, and he and I are some business partners in another venture along the way. He had to retire due to his injuries. So this has been within the last five years he was out nine months with a torn pec on his shoulder he was then out four or five more months with a broken ankle the ankle was himself he landed the wrong way it can happen it's real it's you know what happens in that ring may be quote unquote pre-planned predetermined but the injuries are real the peck, he was doing a dark match for the tv show and uh his opponent who still remain nameless because i like him don't want to get him in trouble botched a move and Adrian landed and uh, incorrectly and his pec just tore out. He had, I think it was about a five or six hour surgery and was out for like nine months. Those are pretty serious injuries Um, and it's going to happen. And the majority of injuries from what I've seen, even the real serious ones are not, I hope they're never intentional by anybody, but they were just freak accidents. And that's where I think most of the major injuries do happen in the sport, kind of freak not playing for how the hell did that happen kind of kind of events, but it happens.
2: Absolutely. And it's usually the smallest of things you wouldn't think about that cause the biggest injuries I noticed.
1: Yep. And again, like I said, when Adrian landed wrong, he was, uh, I think jumping in, I forget what it was. He may have been coming back in from, from outside, you know, using the ropes, hop over and just landed the wrong way on his ankle. And it, it went and broke. And he played, yeah. uh, college football, Uh, wrestled in college he was an athlete and yet it could happen to anybody
2: absolutely the smallest things the most freaky accidents usually are what cause the biggest injuries for sure
1: it is and it's it's sad but it happens just as part of the business
2: it definitely is now over the years i know that you also have had several of the very top referees in the industry work for you. People like Brian Hebner, uh Chris Levin, you had um, a pre-AEW, Aubrey Edwards is a regular for you. Of course, yep. you were a referee when you started, so you have a little more.
1: By far the best of all four. I mean, there was no doubt about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that your your is going to be different than most promoters when it comes to that, just since you did the role and you know, what the role actually is and how important it is. What are you looking for when you look to book a referee? And who would you say over the years has been, besides yourself, the top referee that you've seen?
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to probably, I mean, who's worked for me or just that I've seen anywhere?
2: Oh. Some of column A, some of column B, if you'd like.
1: Yeah, great. Well, um, who has worked for me, I'm going to go – I don't want to do a tie, and they're probably going to hate me if I pick one over the other. Brian Hebner has been probably technically position-wise and working with the guys and gals in the ring by far the best. He can take an average match, and by kind of helping the folks in the ring move around a little bit as I break kayfabe, Turn it into a better match. he knows cameras, he knows everything that's going on, and he's done some clinics non referee clinic for us at one point, and he's amazing he's just brilliant in the ring brilliant um, Chris Levin was kind of a new kid when we got him. I forget where we found him and um, he's one of those he's a smaller guy, so it kind of helps he's not you know he's not dwarfing the the, the wrestlers in the ring. I think technically speaking, and you mentioned her, Aubrey Edwards was amazing. The first time, she'd been refing for maybe a year or so, and we were doing uh, one of our all-night 24-hour charity events, and she wanted to come down and meet me and ref. Here she comes down. After each match, she got a notebook in her hand with a pen. Okay, tell me what I did right. Tell me what I did wrong. And I think she still does that to a point. I don't know. Um, But she, technically speaking, is just among the best I've ever seen. Um, And... She got into A.W. pretty early, obviously, experience-wise, but I think by her skill level and her attitude especially, she really deserves that role. She's she's great. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of referees over the years. Um, I like Nick Patrick in the day. He was good. Um, I did like – don't uh, – this will probably sound funny. I love Dave Hebner. I wasn't as crazy about Earl. And I've met Earl, and Earl's a super guy, don't get me wrong. But he was a little more showy. Dave was more serious as a ref. And Brian, of course, can be showy if he needs to be, but he's also more serious. But, uh, you know, Brian's dad, Earl, is kind of the the comedy king of the Hebner family, but also a very talented referee. There have been so many that have gone through WWE and everything, I I couldn't, you know, tell you how many i I really like in the olden days i don't know if anybody will know recognize this name hopefully you know it may to you johnny red shoes dugan not because he wore red shoes but he had that yep from la i was born and raised and used to go to the olympic auditorium on on weekends uh, wrestling on friday roller derby on saturday but but red shoes dugan to me was the most colorful that's back when referees were almost you know they're really not even supposed to be there he could be a part of the show but not be a part of the show, which is what all referees should do. But again, if you're gonna be in the ring doing anything, you better have a purpose. To stand around and just, you know, be a stick out there is dumb. But Johnny acted like he was having fun. He would show a lot of emotion when he got pitched with the wrestlers. They didn't do a lot of ref bumps in those days and he was old when I when he when he first started, I think. I don't know. He was an old guy, but he was just fun to watch him. He didn't really take away from the match, but he added to it big time just with his his timing and where he was and his his visual and verbal uh, uh, emotions, he really did. He probably my favorite of all time, I think, really looking back on it. And there were some great, great refs in those days and some great ones out there now. But one thing I don't like about refs, and I'll be honest, I see more refs every time somebody bumps, they jump up. I see more head bobbing up and down. That, to me, takes away from the guys. You know, you can show a little emotion, but every time somebody takes, you know, somebody takes a chop, some of these refs go berserk. They almost take a bump for no reason. That to me is really overkill. And the, the, the refs that ref for me, they know if I see, you know, a bunch of head bumps and a bunch of, of you know, jumping up and down, they won't last long. It just doesn't fit with us, and I just think it, it's, it's wrong. Be a ref, be a policeman, you know, be the authority figure out there. Don't look like a goofball all the time. Just my opinion. I'm sure people are probably screaming at me now, but that's okay.
2: I am not screaming at you. I agree with pretty much all of that, especially how good Aubrey Edwards is.
1: She is so good. Yeah. You know, the only thing that I, I get upset about is they have her, and I've seen her over the years, do a lot of comic stuff. And it, there's a time and a place where we're to do something comedy. I understand that. But I've seen her when she was working up in Seattle, I was watching the video and I told her this and I said, Hey, if that's what they wanted, that's great. I think it's horrible book. And she was dancing with some of the boys after a match or during a match. And it's like, you know, maybe a couple seconds where you get inadvertently involved in something, but to go on for two or three minutes, just dancing. And it's like, why? Yeah, I'm old. I understand that, but I'll never understand what purpose that serves for that long a period of time. But she is the most, she's just talented though. And I love her to death. And I wish she'd quit AEW and come back to me. (laughs) I can't pay what they pay, so I guess. Well, she also does some stuff with their computer stuff, too, in the back, and and their video game stuff they're doing. So she's got multiple talents, and she'll be there for probably as long as she wants to be. She's that good.
2: Absolutely. Well, at this point in time, my co-host QT is with us, and I believe QT has questions as well, so I'm going to pass things over to him.
1: Are they going to be hard questions? Yours have been awfully tough so far. You know, it's on like it's 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 Friday, and I'm I'm not functional on Friday afternoon. So I'll do my best. I promise. Okay.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, thank you, okay. Sun Guy. Hello, Jeff.
1: Hello. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing very good. I'm um, Jeff. I saw your YouTube video entitled "Gentleman George Has to Earn His Title Shot." And this video was posted in about 2012. My first question is, do you think Gentleman George Michaels' uh, Union Jack robe is as good-looking as anything Ric Flair wore?
1: Mm, now, that is the question of the year. Did you come up with that question, or do you have to have help from your co-host over there? Honest answer. It's a great question. Just right, I'm, I'm stalling me. while I try to answer it if you can't tell. Um, I like Ric Flair's robe. If you don't like Ric Flair's robe, there's something wrong with you. But I think for an indie type show, George had one hell of a one hell of a gimmick with that robe. He really did. It was top notch. I,
0: I am somewhat of a video analysis expert in the subject of a wrestler's height and weight. I often tell wrestlers if I can, or ask wrestlers if I can get their own rope. And I usually, I think I have an overall record of 157 uh, correct answers, of four wrong ones and two ties. I was looking at Gentleman George's robe, and it didn't look like he had any diamond diamonds. Hmm. <laughs> You
1: might be yeah. all right.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. Not even fake diamonds. Like, what? what's that zirconium? What? Zirconium well, no, didn't
1: uh, even have. Well, no, punic But, I mean, let's face it, Gentleman George, being a true Brit, would not want anything fake. Maybe he couldn't find real ones that he felt were worth being on his robe. There's a way to look at that way, too. You just never know about George.
0: Oh, okay. And Gentleman George could have been from the rough seaport town of Liverpool. Where if you try to buy diamond, and get mugged. That could be. Yeah.
1: yeah, but who would want to mess with him? Because he had that thing he kept taking out of his pants, you know. And if you got too close, he'd jabby with it. So I think he could take care of himself.
0: Oh, okay. Well, Jeff, in this in this uh, <clears throat> in this wrestling video uh, where he had to earn his title, to your knowledge, did Ice? or Immigration, Customs, and ports. indeed, deport Gentleman George the following day uh, due to the fans' wishes and, and then deport George?
1: You know, you're pushing my memory from nine years ago. Um, I don't think the legal uh, team at the WC allowed him to be deported. Although the legal team uh, didn't care for George, uh, the fans loved to see him and love to boo him. So I don't believe he was actually deported. Um, yeah, the wrestler Ice may have been what Ice he stands for today. He could have been the very first member of that. I don't know. But I don't believe he legally could be deported. Somebody once told me maybe England didn't want him back with his attitude and his arrogance. And that could have been a problem, too. Maybe they said, no, you can keep him. We sure as heck don't want him back. So that's, that's the other side that could be. But we'll never know that for sure.
0: Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Well, Jim, are there any truths to the rumors from my wrestling sources in Shelton, Washington that one of the stipulations that gentleman George had to indeed wrestle in that match was he wanted some English, uh, some tea imported from England or else he wouldn't wrestle?
1: There were a lot of things George insisted on, and I honestly don't recall the tea part of it, but it would not shock me when he was demanding, which was often. I mean, he'd been the champ for a long time, and with the championship goes, I can do whatever the hell I want to do. If you don't like it, I'll just sit down, and I'll take the belt, and I'll go away. So I honestly, as a promoter and a referee at the time, but from a promoter's side, I honestly didn't, get too involved in those little nitpicky things. There were underlings under me who would deal with it. I never really heard that that the T was an issue. So he either got it and was happy or realized we couldn't get it, and they tried and decided, oh, I'll go ahead and wrestle anyway. Hard to tell with George.
0: Wow. You know, when I looked at the video, I was surprised that none of the fans held up a, a sign saying, we support the Ghosts of the Boston Tea Party and then they didn't they did not start throwing tea bags at George. That would have gotten riled up in my opinion.
1: Well, yeah, George riled everybody up to standing around spewing some of what he spewed out of his mouth. So nothing would ever have surprised me um, as far as George getting that kind of response. Um I thought maybe he might have maybe he did his own tea party we didn't know about. That's always a possibility too. And again I I vaguely remember the video but again that's a long time ago so I'm I'm trying to envision what it was and unfortunately it's not all crystal clear to me. So I'm doing my best to try to to help out with these questions but if I'm a little wrong I do apologize.
0: Well, I'll give you a, a clue. A wrestler named Moose appeared in the ring. Moose. And he had a chain with him.
1: Moose was a mean SOB and one of the few people that could actually control George in and outside the ring. They had a lot of battles and they were kind of brutal, but in the end for better or worse, George usually came out on top for some reason. Um, Some people said George cheated. Some said Moose didn't, wasn't aggressive enough, but uh, Moose was aggressive and maybe George just, Terrible thing to say. Maybe George out thanked him, thunk him, thanked him, whatever the proper grammar is. Outfought him. Outsmarted him. There we go. He maybe outsmarted Moose. I mean, a guy named Moose. Think about it. You yeah, know, there's a reason he got the nickname. Was it because he was big and lumbering? Who knows?
0: Hard to say. Okay. Do you believe Moose had a temperament like Stone Cold Steve Austin?
1: A oh, little bit. little bit, you know. Wild animals, moose, uh, have you ever run into a real four-legged moose in your life? I've seen them um, up in Maine, up in New England, and you don't want to mess with a moose. Four-legged or probably two-legged, so maybe he got that nickname because he was like a real moose, and don't screw with me.
0: Well, I myself have have seen caribou at Northwest Track.
1: <laughs> They're
0: kind of dodgy. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I've I've had the, the, the pleasure or not of seeing a moose on my travels. I worked some shows in Maine a number of years ago and helped a company up there. And between the moose on the roads and the wild turkeys on the road, you just stayed in your car. I think the turkeys were actually meaner than the moose, to be honest. Again, going off topic, but um, you could honk at the turkeys. They wouldn't budge. The moose would look at you and kind of lumber off. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: All right. Well, Jeff. If you freeze this video at the nine minute and one second mark of the video, you can see yourself in the ring speaking into the microphone while Moose is facing to the right. And to Moose's right on a brick wall is a poster or profile of an Indian with a feather and war paint that says, Chemawa. will you... This took place on or about, like I said, February 15, 2012. Just recently, the Cleveland Indians announced they would no longer be known as the Cleveland Indians. They will be known as the Guardians. Do you know yourself if they have taken down the Chemowa Indian in this gym and replaced it with something that looks like the McDonald Mayor McCheese? Of the early 70s
1: <laughs> nothing would surprise me with the political sensitivity going around the world right now so again I'm I'm not visioning this video I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm trying to make sense of it but my guess would be I'm sure they replaced the picture of the Indian that was a public school we were at I believe it was a middle school And I'm sure with all the politicizing going on, they took it down within the last two or three years. What they replaced it with, I wouldn't know, have not seen that venue for, you know, seven or eight years since we were there last. So hard for me to say that, but again, odds are it is no longer up in their school gym.
0: Well, now my wrestling sources in Shelton, Washington have hinted to me that they may have put a transgender butterfly in its place.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're drinking, but would you mind sharing some of it with me? No, you're probably – nothing would shock me uh, in this no. day and age. That who knows what they'd put up in there? Okay. I would not be surprised with anything that goes on, you know, politically sensitive or not. Everybody has their own ideas, and they could put something up like that as a, oh, ha-ha, look at us. You know, how funny. Who knows?
0: Okay. That's very good. Okay. Well, Jeff, did you ever manage Cadillac callus of rolling too deep?
1: Boy, you are testing me. I've managed a number of people. I may have, he was with uh, the other guy, his tag partner, whose name escapes me. Um, He was the Elvis guy. I don't know if I actually managed them or not, to be honest. I may have, but if I did, obviously it didn't stick out in my mind. It's anything I want to remember. So uh, (laughs) I'll have to let you look at the record books and the pictures and see if you can find one with me out there with him. Put the onus back on you, pal.
0: Okay, I'll undertake that homework assignment. I was was always a big fan of of his
1: eyeglasses, blinking eyeglasses. Well, who wouldn't be? I mean, who wouldn't be? They're just an, an amazing, forgive the expression, it's an amazing spectacle watching those glasses if you got the little play on words there or not. I may be above your head on this one, but hopefully not.
0: No, I I see what you did there.
1: Yes. Okay. Okay, very good.
0: (laughs) Well, Jeff, you mentioned to Sign Guy that you were a DJ in Stockton, California. Did Wolfman Jack make a big impression on you? Wolfman Jack.
1: Funny you should mention Wolfman Jack because I had no idea you were going to do that. Um, Yes, Uh, He did, and I ended up getting a job at a radio station in Los Angeles back in, I believe it was 1976 or 7. And it was XCRB, which was a huge, huge 50,000-watt AM station that pointed, it was, the transmitter was actually just south of the border in Rosarita Beach, and Wolfman Jack finally quit the station and as God is my witness I replaced him four months later it was a hell of an act to follow because I was no Wolfman Jack not even close Uh, he was amazing and I actually ran into him at a non wrestling or pardon me non radio related convention in Dallas I was at a hotel went to a bar and here comes Wolfman Jack in the building it was it was like weird but uh, I I, he was a great guy in person he really was and a, a huge talent and he's probably a wrestling fan, too, for all we know, but you, you know, you just never know who's going to come out of the closet and be a wrestling fan, do you? No, you don't.
0: You really don't. Um, okay. Well, Jeff, what was your call sign when you were in Stockton? Your call sign.
1: I worked at some different stations. KSTN, I programmed that for a while. I worked at KWG and B101 as a program director and worked at KJOY as a morning air talent and that was in the eight years i was working radio in stockton hit all the big stations never worked at kwin and some of the smaller ones but uh, those yeah. are the ones i worked at
0: it's right. okay were you a big fan of wkrp in cincinnati
1: well i loved i loved herb Tarlick's clothing i mean come on i'm uh, you know that's what morty wears a lot of those god-awful suits which really are not god-awful they're really quite attractive um, I wouldn't want to have a salesman of his caliber working for me. We'd probably never get any income. But how could you not love WKRP? How could That's how could you true. not love a show like that that was so real to life?
0: Yes, yes, that, that was what one of the stalwarts of the
1: seventies. Yes. Yep. Are you dating yourself too? Did you were you around watching that stuff in the seventies? Tell the truth.
0: Oh yes, yeah. yes I was. Uh huh.
1: Okay. Yeah, Just making thinking- sure.
0: Oh, yes, I, I grew up in that time. Um, now, Jeff, around the time that you were in Stockton, the sexists were winding up their career. Did you have a chance or a chance to get tickets to the Cow Palace for last performance?
1: No, I did not. One of those things. Uh, when I was in radio, I got to go to a number of, of concerts on the house, of course, because we would promote their shows. But uh, never made it to the Cow Palace. I was oh, at the okay. Cow Palace for ice hockey, but never for um, any concerts. Sorry.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, Jim, time travel is often a subject that is covered on the Turnbuckle Buckle Turmoil show. If David Mason or Moose could travel back to the early 70s, do you believe they could have fit in and been a contributor to Portland wrestling,
1: rip all of them in his clan. Oh, J.D., absolutely. Look at him. You know, not exactly spelt and thin. Um, I don't know if Moose would have fit in, but, but J.D. Had, has that bizarre personality and his, you know, look. He looks um, like a 70s or 80s somewhat overweight wrestler who actually still has some talent, though, and that's, I think he would have fit in great. I'm not so sure about moose, like I said. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Can you recall the first time you saw Buddy Rose's blow-away diet on
1: video? Blow-away. I was not up here during Buddy's heyday, but all I remember about Buddy, and forget the the blow-away, is him uh, a few years before he passed on still way heavy doing one-arm push-ups and scaring all the, all the, the students in his school. He was amazing. People thought he was just a fat slob. He was very, very athletic, but I don't – the blow away was not in my era, unfortunately. So for me to comment on that and piss off the family of Playboy Buddy Rose probably wouldn't be appropriate. I always try to speak when I'm knowledgeable of something, when, when, whenever possible. It doesn't always work that way, but I do try.
0: Well, that's true. He did two one arm, two or three one-arm push-ups during a segment of Piper's Pit. This infamous episode where he said, I'll show you who's not in shape, and he did
1: push-ups? I I did not see that segment. Didn't see the thing, but again, I've seen him do as many as 10 at a time. So he could do it. it. It was surprising for a man, his size and girth and perceived not being athletic, but, and he was never 217 pounds either. A lean, mean 217, Try 317 on a good day when he wasn't having too many Twinkies and donuts, but he uh, was amazingly athletic and talented. The stuff he could do just was unbelievable. I know a lot of guys who are quote-unquote jocks who can't do two or three one-arm push-ups. So uh, he was an amazing guy.
0: Well, you know, when he was first starting out in those first couple of years, he was definitely not over Uh You know, he was kind of like a, a light I'd say. He was pretty fit, like Andre the Giant, when he was younger.
1: Yep. Well, you know, everybody as they age tend to get, uh, generally speaking, not, of course, the three of us who are here today, but the majority of people uh, as you age do tend to uh, gain weight, gain fat, lose muscle mass. It just happens. And, you know, we're all getting there. I mean, the three of us obviously are getting there. We wouldn't be having this conversation if we weren't.
0: Well, while you were in, did you ever have a chance to meet Roddy Roddy Piper
1: in person? Yes, actually, I have an interesting Roddy story that may interest some people. Uh, You may recall that there was a Portland Uncut show that was on the air before we took over the time slot on Fox, and Roddy was actually running that with a different promoter. The show didn't make it for a number of reasons that I don't really want to go into, and Roddy wanted to keep doing the show, and because the way the Athletic Commission works in the state of Oregon, someone with a promoter's license had to actually run the show and be responsible for it, and uh, Len Denton, the grappler, and Roddy, of course, were very close friends. Lenny was working for me, and he said, hey, Roddy wants to meet with you and see if we can work out a deal to put the show back on the air. I said, of course, so we met not once, not twice, but at four times. And God bless Roddy. He admitted to me, you know, Jeff, I'm not a business guy because he wanted to make X amount of dollars. He wanted to be equal partners with me, which I was happy to do. But I had to explain to him, if you're equal partners, you share in the expenses and you share in the profit. He never quite comprehended that. And we finally got the show without him. He got mad at me. But then realized I said Roddy, you're still welcome to come on board. But we share the expenses, we share the winnings. And he said, Nah, Jeff, I'm too old for this shit. Uh, but I loved Roddy. He was such. I learned just a few times I met him, just talking with him, got educated in a lot of stuff. It it was it was good, and uh, I missed the the three or four months or five months that we kind of shared a few times together. I remember he looked back on it, like I said, after we started the show and said, I should have listened to you. I said, you still can. But no, he needed, I think he knew he was getting towards the end of his life, and I think he wanted to make sure his family had a lot of money when he was gone. I really believe that was the the situation. He was really looking out for them because he was a family guy through and through. And uh, I miss those times we had. I really do.
0: Yes, Portland Wrestling Uncut. I made it to a show. Uh, one show of his there at that studio and we held up a sign and uh, he I, he came out to the crowd I know I noticed that he glanced up my sign and then he took a couple steps and then he stopped he looked at my sign again and got a smile on his face it was a huge moment for me
1: and what did your Maybe sign say again
0: that, oh I'm not sure I, I don't know why it was probably along the <laughs> line of my my, my uh, questions that I asked you, something like that. Okay. Because you you're making you me
1: you're, you're making me think back to trying to remember stuff, and you're not helping me out here. I'm I'm trying to do the same to you, but of course it is you. You are the host. so I have to go along with what you guys do, so it's okay. I understand, but you know.
0: It was probably something along the lines of my transgender uh, butterfly replacing the Indian in your video. Got
1: it. Yes. I'll work. That oh, that works for me.
0: Anytime you can stop Roddy Piper in his tracks and and make him crack a smile, you've done fairly well for yourself.
1: You sure as hell have. You 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 can be proud of that over the, over the next thirty or forty years. He was not yes. easy to uh, to break into laughter. He he kept his his look an awful lot. Again, when you're away from the wrestling ring, as I learned, he's was very compassionate, very, very passionate and compassionate and loved the business. But, you know, he was an, almost a normal human being like the rest of us or as normal as you can be when you've been in the wrestling business for that many years.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, Jeff, a wise man once said there are three things to keep private, your income, your next move, and your love life. My question is, what do you think of Hulk Ho- Hogan? Oh, well, I, oops, sorry, I... I messed up on that one. I'm go- I'm just going to scratch that.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's scratch, scratch, scratch that, that one.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I hope to meet you one day, and I can hold up a sign pertaining to you that'll stop you in your tracks. That's my goal.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, I can keep a straight face generally, but uh, if if you want to go for it, I say go for it. It might work. It might be just that sign with the wording. That I look at or a picture and say, "Oh my God, where did this guy come from?" And I would, I will oh. break, I will break into hysterical laughter if it's good. So there's your test, oh. my test for you. Come up with that sign that's going to make me lose it in public. I, I will and I'll you. buy you beer, maybe two beers or a coffee, depending upon your choices.
0: I'm, just, I'm down to one beer a night. But it's usually in a gallon bucket. <laughs>
1: It's not the number, it's the size. Remember that. That didn't sound right at all, did it? Well, you know what I meant with that one. It's all right.
0: Oh, okay. Back to you, son guy. All right. Well, Mr.
2: Manning, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure that you have ample time. So if there's anything you would like to say to the listeners today, if you want to plug and promote, Anything and everything, any social medias, merchandise, upcoming shows you have planned, anything at all or is all yours.
1: Oh, now there's even more pressure. You know, I'm not a talker. I can't ad lib for anything. I never not know what the hell to say in any kind of situation. I thought you'd have questions on and on and on, and your partner has so, so baffled now with his questions. I'm not sure what planet I'm living on right now. Is he always that way? Is that him? Is that your typical, what he typically does in an interview? It was different, I must say, and it was unique and interesting.
2: Yes, that is pretty typical.
1: Wow. And people tolerate that? (laughs) Just kidding. He threw me (laughs) for a couple of years along the way. (laughs) Well, but that's Brian Blair. You know, he's an important person with Cauliflower Alley, and he doesn't need to put up with that kind of crap. But I'm just little old Jeff Manning in Salem, Oregon, and I don't mind. But, uh, You know, I guess to the fans out there, and I I think you touched on it before you actually started the interview with me, uh, indie wrestling, I think, in some ways, is bigger than it ever has been. I think in in some ways it's been a negative big with people's attitudes. Um, But to the fans, as you said, wrestling is coming back support your indies if you're a wwe fan or aew or roh guy support them as well support as many as your budget will allow because for the most part everybody who has stepped into a wrestling ring be it a ref a manager a wrestler a referee whatever it is they work their asses off to try to entertain and keep you guys give you guys that hour or two or three away from reality and that's what we try to do out here and we generally succeed occasionally it doesn't work that way but go support everybody. Um, we're staff starting to begin in November. We'll be announcing the date actually in about three or four days. I wasn't going to announce this soon, but since two other companies did, I don't want people to think, oh, the WCs, um, but, uh, which we haven't, but I will just go ahead and let everybody know that we are opening in November, the date to be announced probably Monday or Tuesday of next week. Uh, same location here in Salem, we can seat 269 people. We've sold out a couple times. We generally do pretty well. Um, some of the places have smaller venues, and if they can, they sell them out, and that's great. Uh, but support them as best you can. Uh, if you have a little extra money, a lot of the promotions don't pay the wrestlers what we do. If you can buy some merch and help support them, a lot of them will drive four, six, eight, ten hours on their own, either by themselves or in a carpool. So that twenty dollars shirt really does does help them out. Um, And, again, they're here to entertain you and let you get out of the reality of life and have a good time. Uh, For the wrestlers, if any wrestlers are out there listening, those who like me or don't like me, it's okay. Um, I've been assaulted more times in the 20 plus years I've been in the business, and it's just all part of life. But if you have never met me, and this is true with any promoter or any wrestler, don't prejudge, don't listen to what people say. Go meet, call, text, whatever before you pass judgment on anybody in the business. I have thick skin, it doesn't faze me. I've been insulted by some greats in the industry and I'm still here, still kicking, still running shows. But please, no matter who it is you think you, you don't like, if you've never met him or talked to him, give them the courtesy of talking to him. And then if you still hate him, that's fine. At least you've talked to them or met them. And that's kind of my, my only spiel right now. So if you have another question or two, I'll be happy to answer. Um, you know, I, I could talk about all the fun I've had for years, but it's it's all personal stuff. Remember, I was told we can't talk about our love life and some other things and how much money we make, so I can't talk about any of that. I was just told that's inappropriate, so I'm not going to go that direction.
2: Understood. But um, Yeah, we are out of time for the day, but I want to thank you very, very much for being on. I have no idea why it took so long for us to have you on here, but I'm glad we did, and hopefully... Because I don't, we have, uh, hopefully we'll cross paths once you guys open back up in November.
1: Well, you guys are welcome. I don't give away a lot of freebies, but if you guys want to, you're up in the uh, Seattle area, am I correct with that? Or somewhere up there? You are. Why don't you, at any of the shows you want to come to, drop me a note, and you two can come down as my guests and see it for real. So then you can judge yourself. Is this guy a real schmuck in real life or he shows the pits or he shows good? Does he bring in talent that's good, bad, or indifferent? And you can give me any opinion and comments you want. I take the ones that make sense and, and try to improve because also if you never, if you just are complacent in this business, you'll never succeed. Um, I learned from a lot of people along the way. I've learned so much from like the Gangrels and the Sinbodies and the Blue Meanies of the world who've worked for me uh, the artist formerly known as Paul Bearer, Percy Pringle, I have learned a lot working with him for two or three years. Uh, you may have something that you notice and say, Jeff, this seemed kind of weird. What do you think? And it, you might be right. So don't be afraid to talk to me and tell me that you thought something could have been done better. It won't faze me at all. And if, it, if you're right, we'll, we'll fix it. So whenever you want to come down, let me know. I will get you the – I will email you or text you when I know the, the start date for sure, and I can announce it. And uh, feel free to come as my guest. I would be honest. I would
2: definitely, or at least pr- definitely or at least would appreciate that. I think it would be our privilege, and I'll tell you why. Anybody that books Aaron Corbin to be with Casey Carlisle on a show, I'm not going to say a bad word about anything they do from that point because they're clearly a genius.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, don't tell my wife because I've got her fooled after a lot of years of marriage. So let's just let that be our little secret. Okay, anybody listening, it was, it, he didn't really mean that publicly, but but thank you for the compliment. I really appreciate it. Oh,
2: absolutely Well, I want to thank you once again for being on And I look forward to make my way down To another WCWC show And fans, definitely If you are in the Portland, Salem Area, go check out The WCWC show They're a lot of fun A uh, lot of great talent that they use there Every single time That they run I think you will really, really enjoy it Jeff Manning is always buddy pal Morty is always there causing problems, so Oh he doesn't cause problems.
1: He doesn't Morty means well. He's just a lawyer, you know, lawyers are that way. They they have a whole different way of life. So I apologize on behalf of Morty if he's pissed anybody off.
2: I will forgive Morty for any past (laughs) trouble he may or may not have caused, but if he did give you the idea of teaming Darren Corbin and Casey Carlyle together then I will say he's a genius as well.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really had a good time. I appreciate it. And good luck with your with your futures and your podcast, and may they grow, and we'll see you when you get down to Salem.
2: All right. Thank you very much, fans. Get out there. Check out WCWC when they come back. Get out there to any independent you see and support them. Independents are always coming back. It seems like industry's in good shape, it seems. So, Keep supporting. We will talk to you Sunday afternoon. We have Jason Dredd out of the southwest part of the country, the young rookie. And then one week from today, another young rookie that Gino Rivera trained, Gypsy Mac, will be here. So be with us and stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank okay.